What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you guys are noticing a different quality on this podcast, it's because I'm actually recording on these Apple headphones or whatever, not even headphones, little Apple earphones or whatever. And that's because I left my microphone that I just bought like probably six months ago or like eight months ago or something for my podcast, The Sure, I believe is the brand of microphone. I left that in a different country during my travels. And so I don't have it right now. I'm either going to have to get a new one or have someone send it to me or something. So yeah, so I don't have that microphone at the moment. But regardless, we are here today and I wanted to talk about the sexualization, the internalized sexualization that I kind of had of myself and how unlearning that has influenced the way that I dress, the way I carry myself and the way that I take pictures, like really everything that I do, I really have shifted in the sense that I no longer view myself from this internalized sexualization and that also allows me to actually be sexy in an authentic way and to express my sexiness my sexiness in a way that feels good but it doesn't just feel like a default and I was talking about this on my TikTok and I will link that in the little description the TikTok the TikTok video that I did about it which Also, by the way, I really hope TikTok doesn't get banned. I feel like the only reason that they want to ban it besides xenophobia (laughs) is also because TikTok is the only platform that we have currently that just feels like you it's someone can we can get information out so quickly to a mass on a mass level and you don't have to be famous. You don't have to have a big following like people can go viral that have three followers and you know anything can go can go viral and we can get information out to one another on such a mass level so quickly and from like everyday people and from like everyone you know we can just get information out so quickly so I feel like that's the reason that they don't like TikTok and it just feels I saw a tweet that says like it's unregulated and I I like that word it just feels like it's an unregulated space where we can just get out all of this information and they don't like that and then also the xenophobia and racism aspect like 
okay, I'm sorry, the United States steals all of our data. The only reason you're upset about this is because it's China doing it. <laughs> like, what? Like, hello, Facebook and Meta literally does this 24-7. And then also, they're talking about this whole, like, kids with challenges thing. I'm like, this isn't a problem with TikTok. This is a problem with social media. I remember when I was in middle school and I was like 12 years old and kids were doing these challenges and it was a problem and kids were dying and Instagram wasn't even a thing. Like I didn't, I don't even think Instagram was invented yet. Um, Twitter I think was invented and it was kind of going on on Twitter. TikTok obviously was not a thing. Like it's about social media and even just about like safety for children like even outside of social media there's things that just get passed along to other kids outside of social media so it's a problem with kids it's a problem with how we are you know protecting our kids what our kids are being vulnerable to what they're being exposed to but it's not a specific problem with tiktok although i believe that no kids under the under the age of 18 should be on tiktok i or they should have some sort of like regulated space on TikTok. And I think they were talking about that, that they're trying to make, you know, space on on TikTok for teens and whatnot. But I personally believe that there does need to be a ton of regulation for what anyone under the age of 18 sees on social media. For me, social media was so, it was so healing and so impactful for me when I was a kid. I really used Tumblr a lot and through Tumblr I was able to see other people's perspectives and I talk about that a lot with the people in my life, they know this, that I lived in a really conservative area and I never heard other opinions or other perspectives or people from other races' perspectives or opinions. I just didn't hear that because, first of all, in my town growing up, there was not one black person. I was the only, there was two Latinos, I was one of them. There was one Jewish kid. I think there was like two Asian kids, but there was no, there was no black people at all in, in my school at all, not even in any grade. And so when I started going on Tumblr, I started hearing black people's perspectives when I was like 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever. And I started hearing other women's perspectives and not even just, you know, women of other races, but women in general, I started hearing women's perspectives about women's liberation. And I started looking at myself and the way that I was interacting with other women and the cattiness and the insecurity and the, you know, name calling and the slut shaming and all of that. And I started to unlearn that only because of social media. So I find social media to be extremely helpful for people. One of the reasons is because you get perspectives from other people that are not in your direct community. And I think that is one of the most important parts about social media is that you, I think now in 2023, there's really no excuse because now Instagram has like all these infographics everywhere. There's information everywhere. You literally just have to like, be exposed to it or look for it and either way it's there but social media has all of this information of people from different communities from different gender expressions from different whatever it is from different races just different communities different demographics different classes whatever it is you have different countries you have information of the people around you and i think that allows us to be more well-rounded human beings and less problematic human beings because you're hearing other people's perspectives and other people's experiences and you know you don't have to have been in community with let's say 
indigenous people to hear their experience and I am actually, I don't even think I, I'm friends or have ever even met any Native American people. I think I met one Native American girl one time when I was living in LA, but I don't, I've never met any indigenous people and uh, indigenous to the United States and Native American people. And, but I, online, on social media, I see so much information about that and I see so much information about their experiences and their struggles and I'm able to really understand that and dive into that and then in my own life deconstruct these types of oppressive mindsets and narratives that I had, right? So I think that social media is like so important, a little rant, but I do think that for kids, it's like super, it can be super helpful. Like it was in my case where I just started unlearning a lot of my internalized misogyny at a really young age, internalized racism at a really young age. Like I just started seeing all this stuff on Tumblr and I was like, wow, I don't want to, you know, do that to other women or I don't want to do that to whatever. I don't want to do that to whoever, whatever it is. So, you know, even um, even homophobia and transphobia and all these things, I started seeing that at a young age. And I'm like, wow, that makes sense. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to do that. And so I think social media is super important. But at the same time, I think that kids need a ton of regulation. If it was up to me, kids would only see social justice things and like whatever on social media and like connect with their best friends. I think that the app in general is harmful for adults. If you are, or any apps in general are harmful for adults unless you're extremely mindful of it. So children, kids under the age of 18 are not mindful in general. Even the most mature ones, they don't have the ability to be, you know, regulated as an adult would so it's just it can be so harmful so I think social media in general needs to be extremely regulated and parents need to be extremely mindful about what their kids are consuming and how they're consuming it but yeah I am very much against the TikTok ban because I think it's really just them not wanting us to have freedom of, of speech and, and freedom of expression and to be able to get information from people in a very community oriented and like math on a mass level. So, so yeah, those are my two cents about the TikTok situation. Totally irrelevant to what I am talking about here today. So let's transition into what I'm talking about here today. But it honestly kind of, you know what, let's actually tie it in because let's just start out with how I, my story, right? So I'll tell you guys my story and what that really meant for me, what this internalized sexualization meant for me. And so I was talking about this on Twitter. Again, I'll link the thread and I was talking about it on TikTok. So I'll link that post. But when I was around 10 years old, I started going through puberty. I got my period when I was 11. I was in fifth grade and I, or no, I was, maybe I was, yeah, it was the end of fifth grade or the end of sixth grade, I don't know, but I got my period pretty young, and I started going through puberty a little bit before I got my period, like, I started getting more shapely. I remember there was a noticeable difference in the size of my thighs. My thighs started getting a lot thicker, my butt started getting a lot bigger. And when I was younger, I was extremely thin before the age of 10. It was like shocking. It was like weird. Like people would 
it was like a little bit odd. Like I was so, so thin. I was very muscular and very thin. And so before the age of 10, I was like a twig. And when I was born, I am not going to show the pictures of when I was born because it's too vulnerable and private. But just know I was not a chubby baby, like the cute chubby babies. I was like a stick. I was so freaking thin and just had like no meat on my bones. Like I was just this thin little baby and like a, like bones, like just like totally like that, right? And so that's how I was born. I was just very thin. And up until the age 10, I was like very thin, right? And when I got to age 10, all of the sudden, I came into this very like shapely body. My thighs got very thick, my butt got very big, and I developed boobs before everybody else. And my boobs are still the same size, but when I was 11, and I'm the only one who has boobs, even though my boobs are not huge, they're just kind of like normal size, and I would say they're kind of like small medium, or medium size, I would say, probably. That was like huge when I was the only one who had boobs and I was the only one wearing a bra and whatever. And um, so when I was 10, everything started to really, really shift for me. And it was a very harmful internalization that I experienced with myself of how I started to experience the world around me and what I internalized was worthy and important and attention grabbing about me like what would get the attention of the opposite sex what would get the attention of others what others valued in me what others liked in me I really started internalizing all of these really harmful beliefs that has taken me like 10 years or so to unlearn and so when I was 10 or when I was 11 let's say once I had gotten my period and I had come into a big butt. I had a large and still have a large butt and, you know, boobs and I have very curvy hips and and whatnot. So I came into this body when I was 11 and everyone started to treat me very differently. Now let's add in the fact that boys in for some reason always were very mean to me. Everyone was always like, oh my God, they're mean to you because they like you, which is something else to unpack, right? But we're not even going to do that. We're just going to sit with the fact that boys were very mean to me. And so when I was in middle school, right, boys were very, very mean to me. They were always bullying me. They were always picking on me. They were always, you know, making fun of me. And I always felt like this fear of going to school because I would get bullied by the boys, around me. They would make fun of me. They would call me names. They would just degrade me. And I feel like that's a normal occurrence for a lot of girls. And that is so fucked up and wrong. And it just makes me so upset. That's one of the reasons if I had kids, I would never send them to public school because boys, little boys internalize misogynistic behaviors by by such a young age that by the age of 11 and 10 and 9, they feel a sense of entitlement to berate and degrade the girls around them. And that is so not okay and something that really needs to be changed. And it's going to come from, you know, 
the way that we raise our boys, which in turn is really unlearning our internalized misogyny and doing healing work. It really all comes back to healing work. But that was my experience. So I was constantly being degraded and berated and bullied by the boys around me. But when I turned 10 and 11, the boys around me started wanting to date me and became very interested in me. And that really kind of messed with my mind to the point where the boys were still, I still felt this intense anxiety about being around them because they were still bullying me and being mean to me. But now they also wanted to hook up with me. They also wanted to date me. They were also very interested in me. And that was very, very difficult for me. And I really internalized at a young age that my body was the most important and, you know, the most whatever, important thing about me. And I will also say that one of the biggest things that I would get bullied about is my personality, my opinions, the way that I speak, like my, I'm very opinionated and outspoken and powerful. I'm a very powerful woman. I've always been that way. And so as I started coming into myself in middle school, really around ages 12, 11, 13, 14, 15, whatever, I really started experiencing this dichotomy where the boys around me hated who I was. They hated who I was. They were, and it really continued into high school. It really became very evident. I would get mass bullied. So they hated who I was. They hated my opinions. They hated what I was speaking about. They hated how outspoken I was. They hated my essence, but they also really wanted to date me. And this was this like dichotomy that was very confusing for me. And I always had this, even though I was hated, I was also beautiful and, you know, had a very shapely body. And I was, I feel like men thought, boys thought I was like mysterious. Like they thought I was like, like they were, they hated me because I was very triggering, but they were like, wanted they were still allured by the fact that I was so intelligent and outspoken and interesting right but they still bullied me and hated me on you know the surface until they wanted to date me and fell in love with me basically right but um but that was very difficult for me and that was something that started happening when I was 10 or 11 and really, I started getting mass attention from men, from boys and and men about my body. And it was older boys, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds when I was 15, 14, you know, mid-20s boys or men. And then boys, older boys in high school, older, I was always, older boys were always obsessed with me. And then boys in my grade, there was just this this split where they would like be mean to me, but they would also try to run up to me in the halls and smack my my butt. They would run up to me and grab my boobs. Like they would sexually assault me in school all of the time. I remember I was in school and I was sitting in class and the boys behind me tried to put their hands in my pants while I'm sitting there in English class. And I don't want to move because, and I was in seventh grade, I think, but I don't want to move because I don't want the teacher to think I'm 
consenting to this or I'm getting like, you know, groped in class and I'm scared and I'm nervous because the boys bully me and there's more social power that they have that you're very keenly aware of when you're in middle school already. You're aware that the boys have more social power and that they can hurt you and harm you and harm your reputation and harm the way people view you. And you're very aware of this. And I was very aware of it because I was experiencing it all of the time. So there was experiences like that happening over and over where I would be in my locker and the boys would just smack my butt or they would grab me and they were constantly trying to touch me. And there was older boys in middle school that would come and like pull down their pants in front of me or they would try to be talking to me. And that age difference was kind of big. I was in sixth grade, I was 11. And then like the boys in eighth grade were like 14 or 15. So they would be trying to come up and touch me or, you know, hit on me or whatever it was. And the boys in my grade were doing that. So it was this whole mess, right? And then when I was in high school, especially, I, you know, also really came into who I was as a human being and what my opinions were and what I stood for. And I was very opinionated and very outspoken. And um, and they hated this. They really, really hated it because a lot of the things I was talking about was misogyny and whatnot. And I, I, you know, was talking about all of that. I was also talking about animal liberation from a very young age, and they really didn't like that as well. I was talking, I was anti-hunting. There was a lot of hunters in my town. I was anti, you know, all these things that they were not happy about. And I remember one time, and I've talked about this before, but it really impacted me. I posted something about anti-hunting, and they the boys in my town made this post about me and every and they were making fun of me about the post that I had said and they were everyone it was it got like a thousand likes and like 500 comments and that that was on Facebook when we all were obsessed with Facebook that was on Facebook like 10 years ago so that was you know a lot of likes, still a lot of likes now, but it was a lot of likes at the time. And I was just getting death threats and death threats and death threats. And everyone was telling me to kill myself. And like, that was a constant thing. I was always nervous about the boys in my town, like hurting me because they would really like make me scared. They would send me death threats. They would tell me all these things, whatever. While at the same time, they really wanted to date me. Even the boys who would send me death threats or whatever, they would hook up with me if I wanted to. I never was into hooking up really with boys. So I just knew that they would if I wanted to, but I didn't um, do that. I always was a relationship girl. So I was always in these long-term relationships even when I was very young. So that was more my my lane. <laughs> but I just, you know, they would make up rumors that they had like hooked up with me. I remember this one boy who like hated me and would like send me death threats, told everyone that I had like hooked up with him in this, you know, very visceral way, in this very, you know, um, explicit way. But I hadn't. I'd never even kissed him. I'd never done anything with him. And so it was this thing where all of the men were interested in me for my body and for how I looked but they also hated me for who I was. And this really created this massive split in me. And what I internalized from a young age that was very hard for me to admit, I would not admit this even like three or four years ago that the way that I was acting or portraying myself as an adult still had to do with that. Like I wouldn't have actually admitted that. It was very difficult for me to actually admit this and to see this and to come to terms with this. But what I realized was that 
so much of my life, I was very much viewed as this like sexy person. And you see it with like celebrities. They're just kind of like thrown into this, like if they have this sexiness about them, they're thrown into this like hypersexual way of portraying themselves. And, you know, in some ways it's fun. And so sometimes you might want to go into it, but when it's not a choice and you're just thrown into it, you then internalize that as that is the only thing or the most valuable thing about you or what is you have to kind of interact with, you know, if you want to get, a, you know, attention or connection or whatever it is. And so I felt that, that level of just, I was thrown into this like sexiness, this hypersexuality. It wasn't even hypersexuality, which it was, but it was more of this like, this sex role, this like sexiness role that like she is just that. That's like, what is what she is and I remember when I was in middle school all of the teachers would place bets on if I was going to be dress coded that day and there was a period where I was just coming into my my new body and I was trying to wear I remember my mom went out to Delia's I think it was called and bought me all of these really long shorts like they were like to my knees because all the other girls could wear super short shorts but because I had a big butt I couldn't or else I would be dress coded. So she went out and she bought me all of these long shorts and I hated them. They were so ugly. And I wore them to school and I still got dress coded. And I was like, that's when I realized like, okay, this is not about what I'm wearing. This is about the fact that they are just innately viewing me as a sexy person and I'm 11 (laughs) and I'm 12 and I'm 13 and I'm just it's not I remember I would get dress coded for my shoes no matter what I wore I was viewed as a sexy person and I was a kid but I was just viewed as a sexy person because I was pretty and I had this body that was very viewed as very sexy from a very young age and that more than I would have liked to admit really impacted me to the point where I just viewed I didn't really form a identity outside of sexiness and I thought that I had to be sexy if I was going to be listened to or heard and I talked about this in my old podcast so I'm not going to go into it too much I talked about it in the sex work podcast I never did sex work but I was talking to one of my friends who is an ex uh, sex worker and so we were talking about her experience but we were talking about portraying ourselves on social media in this kind of like sexy way and how that was internalized and I talked about my journey in that so I can also link that below if you're interested in hearing that part of my story but Um, what it really did do is that when I started relating to clothes and pictures and the way I present myself as a woman, I never formed like a personality. I feel like I actually got like stunted almost at the age of like 12. I never formed a connection with any clothes or any aesthetics or any type of anything outside of just this looks sexy on me so I'm going to wear it because I feel that I was viewed in that way so much and there was this split that happened in my brain that there was never even something that occurred to me that I should 
learn what my authentic style is. For me, it was just whatever looks good on my body is my authentic style. Like I didn't even think about it. So as an adult, when I was kind of putting these pieces together and, you know, really healing all of these ways of existing, I realized that the way that I portrayed myself on in in real life, the way that I showed up with the way that I dressed and the way that I whatever portrayed myself online as well, I didn't know how to do that authentically for me. And I said it on TikTok where I said that it wasn't now being sexy for me is a choice. I can go into that energy if I want to, but it's not a default. And when I was younger, because I was viewed as such a sexy person at such a young age, it became a default for me that I didn't ever learn how to exist outside of sexiness. And that really, you know, as an adult, I realized stunted the way that I learned how to relate to myself as a woman. And so as an adult, some of the things that I've done one of the things as you know in my in my healing journey but a few of the things i've done is i've learned how to first of all dress authentically to me and i know that like a lot of girls learn this at a younger age like they start getting interested in clothes and they find their authentic style and their authentic fashion and like what feels good for them and everything but I never learned that at all. I never learned that whatsoever. I never learned, you know, style or fashion or what felt good for me to wear, like what I liked. For me, it was always about what looks sexy on me. And so I never, it was like what looks tight on my body, what looks good on my body. And that was just my style. So I never actually learned what my authentic style was. So as an adult, especially in the last like two years, I've really gone on this journey of learning what my authentic fashion and style is. And I've done that in a sustainable way, which I talked about on TikTok as well, Uh, you know, really revamping my entire wardrobe in a sustainable way. And so basically I've thrifted every single thing that I've purchased and I, yeah, so in this whole journey that I've gone on, I've thrifted every single thing that I've purchased. But um, in that, I've really learned and felt so much more confident in myself as a woman because I've learned what do I actually like? What is my actual authentic fashion choice or style or how do I want to present myself to the world? And I never knew that. And when I would try, I could never put outfits together. I could never, you know, I never knew what looked good with what because for me, it was only about what looks sexy on me. And I never even realized that was a choice. It was never something that I, I realized until a couple of years ago, because for me, it was just a default. Like, well, I'm obviously only gonna wear the thing that makes my butt look good. And in the last two years, I've really unlearned that. Like, wait, my butt doesn't need to look shapely or look there. It doesn't need to be visible in its form at all times. And that was like a shocking revelation for me. I saw something on TikTok that said, when I stopped trying to be sexy, I actually found my authentic self. And I feel that in my bones. And so like, I stopped trying to make my butt look good in every single outfit that I wore. And I was like, wow, there's a whole world outside of that. I can wear long skirts. I can wear flowy long skirts. I can wear dresses that are 
fun and authentic to me, but don't make my butt look good. Like for me, up until three or so years ago, it was not even a thought to me to wear something if my butt didn't look good. And on on the flip side of that, also, I also wouldn't purchase anything. Sorry, I would only purchase things. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Actually, no, that's I, I'm trying. I'm thinking back to my law school days with the only and the you know kind of not my law school days, my LSAT days. Um, I'm trying to make it conditional on something. But what I'm trying to say is that I would wear things even if, there we go, even if I didn't like them, but if they made my butt look good. So my authentic style wasn't even an authentic style. I didn't care about the pattern. I didn't care how it looked. I didn't care what the style was. If it made my body look good, I would wear it. So it wasn't even about, okay, I like this, but doesn't make my butt look good. Okay, then no, I'm not wearing it. Or yes, I'm wearing it. It was, I don't even know if I like this or not. I'm completely neutral on it. I just am picking up this item of clothing and I'm just going to see if it makes my body look good. And if it does, I'll wear it. If it doesn't, I won't. And so I would wear these things that I didn't even, now looking back, I didn't like. I didn't actually think those items of clothing were beautiful or flattering or whatever, they just made my body look good. And so then I was like, oh, okay, then I'll wear it. So it was all about, does it make my body look good? And if it does, then I'll wear it. And so for me, I then, I feel like I was like stunted and I would see the other girls around me and they actually had, especially when I got to college, I would see the other girls around me and they actually had style and they had like fashion sense and they would like you know, get excited about putting these fits together. And of course, they wanted their butts to look good sometimes and they wanted their boobs to look good sometimes and that's totally fine as well. And I still want my butt and boobs to look good sometimes. And when it does, I'm like, oh, you know, my butt looks good or my boobs look good or whatever. And that's totally fine. But for me, it was a default. There was no choice. It was just, it makes my body look good so I'm wearing it, right? And so I noticed the girls around me started to have that and I didn't understand it. Like it was foreign to me, girls putting together outfits or whatever it was, like I didn't understand having a fashion sense. And so that was something that in the last two years I've really gone on this healing journey with is learning what my authentic fashion style is outside of this. And I've had really good influences on me of people who really had a good fashion sense and people in my circle. And so that has been really helpful of like kind of 
relating to them or looking to them and seeing like do you guys think this looks good or you know looking at what how they kind of put outfits together what they think is like cute and then also Pinterest and also TikTok I've been on TikTok looking at you know fall outfits and seeing like what do I resonate with and just seeing, you know, if I'm not trying to be sexy, what do I resonate with? And so for me, I formed this really good, really concrete, really solid sense of fashion and identity outside of sexiness. And that has been like so healing. And it's made me feel like such a confident and secure woman to a degree I can't even really explain. I feel it's like a world's difference. I feel like such a confident and secure woman now because I feel confident in the way that I present myself. And I never really realized how much that was missing in my life until I started changing it. Now I, you know, for example, last night it was my dad's birthday dinner and, you know, I put on my sweater dress that I thrifted on Poshmark and... I put on my sweater dress and I put on my boots that I thrifted from the real real and I put I used my purse that I thrifted from the local thrift store and I put on my gold jewelry and I was I was felt good. I put on a little makeup and I was ready to go. And 5 years ago, 3 years ago, 4 years ago, I would never have known. I wouldn't have even First of all, I wouldn't have put on any jewelry. I wouldn't have put on any makeup. I wouldn't have known what shoes go with my dress. I wouldn't have even worn that dress because it wasn't flattering enough to my body. I never would have worn a purse. I didn't own a purse until like two years ago. That's what I'm saying. Like I was so stunted in the way that I expressed myself because I didn't learn. I didn't wear any jewelry. I didn't, you know, wear any makeup. I didn't ever own a purse. I didn't understand aesthetics or I didn't understand how to present myself because it just wasn't a thing to me. It was like whatever is the tightest and sexiest on my body is what I'm wearing and I don't know anything outside of that. And so now I like you know, have thrifted all my purses that I love, my staple purses. I've th- I've thrifted and purchased sustainably my gold jewelry that is like wonderful and a staple in my life. And I found all this gold jewelry that feels really good. And I've learned how good it feels to put on jewelry and to, you know, have jewelry that feels, just feels me and feels like I'm adorning my body. And how it feels to find my authentic makeup style. That's another thing that changed. When I was in this hyper, you know, sex, I felt like I was like a sex icon type of thing. Like that's how I presented myself. That's how I, that's what I thought was the vibe. Like I thought it was just about being the sexy sex icon thing. And, um, and I, so I never actually, when I thought of makeup, It was so funny because I couldn't actually keep up with these things that I thought I had to do. So for example, I thought that to wear makeup, I had to do the full beat face. And that was never me. I never learned how to do makeup. That's another thing I didn't learn how to do. But I never learned how to do makeup. But if I learned how, I thought I had to do it in this like big beat, big makeup beat way. And for me, that was never authentic to me. That was never sustainable for me. And I could never actually like continually do that. So then I just didn't wear anything. And so now I actually have found, wait, I can wear makeup and I don't need to be trying to make myself look like a sexy vixen every single second. I can just accentuate my 
self and my features and, you know, just add a little fun to myself and just feel good about it. And so now, for example, one of my really basic makeup routines is I put on concealer, I put on blush, and I put on a little bit of lip tint, and I put on the eyebrow gel or whatever. So eyebrow gel, concealer, blush, and lip tint. Really basic, barely looks like I'm wearing makeup, but it feels good for me and I learned what my authentic makeup looks are outside of trying to be this sexy person. Like I would feel like, oh my God, if I wear makeup, I have to put on my eyelashes. I have to put on the false, that was never authentic to me. I never actually wanted to do that. And now I don't wear false lashes. I don't do any of that. And sometimes I want to bring out that sexy energy. And, you know, maybe that's once a week or once a month or in private, you know, in a romantic private setting. Um, But that is something I, I choose to bring out. But again, it's not my default and it's not constant. And so learning how to do my makeup, learning how to present myself in a way that feels good and feels authentic outside of just the default of sexiness has been huge. And something else that was so healing for me the other day was the last time I was in a bikini, in like a bikini setting, like in a really like a sun, full sun setting was Miami. And I lived in Miami for a year like two and a half years ago or so. And that's when I was just starting to kind of unlearn all of this stuff that I'm talking about. And one of the things that I would do is I, from a very young age, I thought that I was only going to, I had this real internalized belief that I was only going to be able to have my voice listened to if I had made the trade-off of being sexy and sexualizing myself online. I thought that if I just spoke my truth or if I just, you know, put myself out there online authentically, I would never get the, you know, the following base I wanted or the recognition I wanted or whatever, which has turned out to be the absolute opposite because it was only once, and that's what I was talking about in my in the sex work podcast I did with my friend. Um, that was the literal opposite. It was only once I started embracing my authentic truth outside of sexuality, hypersexualization, when I started actually receiving a women fan base, a very loyal following base, a my podcast went into the top 100, you know, I obviously didn't have a podcast until I was in that space. So, you know, my podcast, I created a podcast, it was super successful, it is super successful. And, you know, all of these things, I realized, wait, it was only once I actually started embracing my authenticity outside of hypersexualization that I actually got what I wanted. But for so long, I had this limiting belief that I won't get anything I want unless I just sacrifice myself and I just make myself sexualized. And so that would really influence the way that I portrayed myself online. And so, for example, on social media, I remember at a young age, at 13, you know, all of my profile pictures on Facebook would be in bikinis, right? And all of my Instagram photos, when I got an Instagram at like 15, all of my Instagram photos would be me in bikinis. And I thought, I I internalized this belief that my face wasn't enough and my authentic opinions and whatever wasn't enough. So what I would do is I would like hypersexualize myself. I would 
you know, put on, I would make myself look really sexy. I would post sexy photos and then I would post like authentic captions underneath or what I wanted to say underneath. And I would do that on TikTok. I would do it on Instagram. Like that's what I would do. Or I would just, you know, didn't know how to actually portray myself outside of sexiness. So even photos that didn't even need to be sexy, they would be sexy because I didn't know how to interact outside of that. So going on this journey of learning how to portray myself online as me, like with my photos, etc., with as me, things that feel good and feel authentic to me has been so healing. And the other day I was in Mexico, which is why I brought up the Miami thing. I hadn't been in a place with bikinis or like, you know, that kind of thing for a long time. The other day I was in Mexico and I was on this boat for my friend's bachelorette and I took these, you know, bikini, I I was, they weren't bikini pictures. I was taking pictures of myself. I was also in a bikini and that was such a huge distinction because the focus really wasn't in the photos about me being in a bikini. And prior to this trip, I had never actually taken photos real, like I haven't really actually taken photos of myself in a bikini and it wasn't an emphasis on the fact that I'm in a bikini. It, always prior, it was the emphasis is me being in a bikini and look at my body and look at me in a bikini. And then these photos that I took, they were just about me. I also happened to be in a bikini, but they were just me. And I'll link that Instagram post below. But the photos were just of me and they were timeless and they were authentic and they were beautiful and they felt like graceful and they were just like really beautiful photos. They felt like photos I could print out and put in my photo album, which I probably will. (laughs) And, um, but they were like these beautiful timeless photos and they really had nothing to do with my body. And that felt really good. And I felt like I learned how to authentically take pictures of myself when I'm in a bikini And the focus is on my essence. The focus is on me. The focus is not, I need to, you know, hype. I need to like get attention from my body. The focus is, this is me. I also happen to be in a bikini and I look good (laughs) and I like how I look and I look great and I look fine and whatever it's, that's fine. But the focus is on me and my essence and me as a human being. And I look beautiful and it was about me. And that just felt like I've never taken photos in a bikini because I haven't really been in a bikini since Miami two and a half years ago or three years ago and I haven't taken bikini photos since then and it was just such a world's difference and I was like wow this actually felt so healing and I feel like I know and I trust myself so much now to portray myself authentically in real life online etc it just felt so good And yeah, that was like a real, that was a moment for me because, and that's what honestly inspired this um, podcast because taking those photos, I realized, wow, I know how to portray myself online and in general in life outside of sexiness and it feels really good. And I remember the girls, they, um, I was telling them like, no, take the photos from the waist up. And they're like, why? You know, and they were, they were like joking around and they were like taking photos of me and they were like, but you look so, you know, your butt looks great. Your butt is looks so good from the behind, whatever, you know, let's, they would like take full body pictures of me from behind. And in my photos, I cropped it out because I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with it. And, you know, everyone can 
have their own comfort level. And I'm not saying mine is, is my version of authenticity is better or worse or should be for you. The per- the point of authenticity is that it's authentic to you. What is authentic to me is not going to be authentic to you. So that is just my own version of authenticity. But I realized I'm not comfortable posting any pictures in a bikini from behind online. You know, I'm just not. Right now, I'm not. Maybe, you know, one day if it's a really authentic photo and it looks like it's a really beautiful photo and it's not about that, you know, that's fine. Maybe. I don't know. But right now, there were these beautiful, like, timeless photos. They were, like, beautiful, but my butt was in them and I just, I wasn't comfortable with it. I felt like, you know what? That doesn't feel like something I want online. I have no problem with wearing, like, very revealing bikinis or whatever in real life, but online, I just don't, I don't want that. And that was really healing. There's a picture in one of the the photos that I put up and it was, you can see I'm turning from the behind. So I'm turning and I cropped out, I I stopped it at my back and my butt was in the photo, but I didn't put it on, on the photo and it felt really good because I was like, I know that I value myself and I, you know, portray myself outside of my body. And that felt really, really good for me. And yeah, and I have nothing wrong with, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with feeling, you know, for example, one of my favorite, girls know this because I've talked about this before, but one of my favorite body parts of myself, one of my favorite features of my body, I guess I'll say, is my hips. I love my hips. They're like, you know, I just find them so fun and so they make me feel very womanly. I just, I love my hips, right? I have, and that's part of my, like, my thing with my outfits. I wear a lot of, like, low-rise skirts and low-rise pants, and I love wearing crop tops and low-rise pants and low-rise skirts, and then I have my hips, like, out. I just love it. It just feels so good, and that's something I'm totally comfortable posting online because it's not something that's, like, my whole personality, and I don't feel like I have to post my hips to whatever. It's just um something that, it's just part of me, and that's part of being authentically me, but But yeah, just learning and what you learn to, how you learn to portray yourself or how you learn to engage with yourself outside of sexiness is your own. But I do notice coming from a reformed (laughs) person who viewed herself in this internalized sexualization mode or way, I do notice that online, now that I'm out of that space, I see it a lot. I see girls and they post, you know, these booty pics and I'm like okay I know that you know you're posting because I used to do that and I know that you know that's coming from this space of you know I want to I don't feel I feel like I I need to kind of sexualize myself and sometimes that's not the case when I see girls and they're posting booty pics but sometimes it is and I know from experience that there's some sometimes that girls are coming from that place because I was a girl coming from that place and so you know um I think that just really sitting with that part of yourself and sitting with that and being honest and loving that part of yourself I have no problem with the part of me that was for 10 years you know that was posting these bikini pics online or posting you know um 
and obviously I still post, I just posted bikini pics. I'm talking about, you know, hyper-sexualized bikini pics or thinking really what it was is the mindset. I posted a podcast about this and it's called, um, it's called, is posting bikini pics empowering? And it's really about your mindset. Are you only posting these bikini pics because you believe, or these sexualized photos of your body, because you believe you're not worthy outside of them? Or are you posting them because you feel like an embodied fairy goddess and you just feel good? And that's totally different. So it's really about the energy and how you're viewing yourself. And are you doing this because you're coming from wounds or a lack mindset or hypersexualizing yourself or are you doing this because you feel like an embodied beautiful woman and both of those things you know exist and I think that it's important to really be honest with ourselves and learn to engage with ourselves outside of this patriarchal hypersexualization and for me it really like stunted the way that I viewed myself, the way that I portrayed myself, the way that I related to myself, it was so stunted by the hypersexualization that I experienced as a child. And it's sad. Like, I was keenly aware that all of the male teachers were, you know, sexualizing me. I was keenly aware that all of the women teachers were very catty with me because of my body they would get very rude and very mean they were very obsessed with dress coding me the male teachers were very obsessed with looking at me the male students were very obsessed with touching me and harassing me like i was sexually harassed constantly from you know the ages of 10 to i mean within school ages i guess 10 to 18 i mean i was sexually harassed after that too but um you know, I was, as a child, I was constantly sexually harassed. And it was actually one of the reasons I went to an all-girls school for high school was because of being sexually harassed constantly by the boys around me. And another reason was because I got bullied by a lot of the boys around me. And I was nervous to raise my hand in class. I was nervous to speak my truth. I was nervous to express myself because of the boys around me. And they really had an impact on the way that I came into myself as a woman. And those are really, you know, um, you know, really important years. And it was so impacted for me by the way that the, the boys around me were treating me, the way that I was hypersexualized from my school, from my town, the parents around me, they would always contact my mom and say, oh, I, you know, Victoria, I heard was having sex with this guy and this guy. And I'm like, wait, I'm in a long-term relationship. Like from the ages of 12 to 16, I was in a one, I was in one relationship. I was in a four-year relationship with one person who was my first kiss. Like I, I was not, you know, out here with a bunch of different people because I was in a long-term relationship for four years from the ages of 12 to 16. So all of these rumors that would come up about me were not true. And I was constantly having rumors made up about me being sexual with boys that I wasn't. And I was constantly being sexually harassed by boys and parents were constantly rude and mean to me, especially the women parents, um, because they were didn't like the fact that I was they were viewing me as a child as this sexy person and it was just weird and then also at the same time I as a child started dressing in this very sexy way around the age of like 13 because I realized you know the kid the people around me own like this is what is with the boys around me, like I, I wanted, you know, to be, 
you know, seen. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to be communicated with. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be seen. You know, I wanted to be loved. And so I realized, wait, the boys around me only care or they only give me, you know, they're only nice if I look this way. And I also internalized like this is the most interesting thing about me. And so I would dress in these like very tight clothes. Exactly. Everything I'm saying, I started doing that as a, at a young age because everyone made that the most interesting thing about me. And it was just, you know, a mess and unfurling it and uncurling it and healing it has been a really beautiful journey because I feel like I've really found myself and my style and who I am and how I portray myself and I found it and it just feels really good. And then I also want to say, I also started receiving, um, you know, I'll say attention from people, mostly women, in a positive way. And before, when I would receive attention, let's say online, I'm talking about, I'm talking about online, um, when I would portray myself in this hypersexualized way, I would only receive attention from thirsty, rude men. And that would break my heart because who I really wanted to connect with was women. And so once I started actually putting myself out there outside of sexiness, I started actually connecting with people and being seen by people for who I really was and who I really wanted to, you know, be and who I really am. And so I feel like it's really about identifying your limiting beliefs, which say that, you know, if I don't have this, then, you know, or if I don't do this, or if I don't have this, then I'm not going to be seen, or I'm not going to be, you know, heard, or whatever, and challenging them, and acting in opposition to them, and dropping that old narrative, and literally just embodying the new one, and as you embody it, you start to attract the people that are meant to see you, and are meant to be around you, and are meant to engage with you, and, you know, I will say that I used to receive a lot of really harmful male attention because generally the men who have zero sexual discipline and are, you know, hyper obsessed with women and are sexualizing women are also the most misogynistic, which is this really unfortunate truth that the men who are most obsessed with women and women's bodies are the most harmful for women. And so when I was in this phase online, I would get a lot of really rude and sexualizing and misogynistic messages from men in my DMs, etc. And as I started really portraying myself in a different way online, which is just a reflection of my embodiment now as a woman, that's all really that is, is just this is now my level of embodiment as a woman. I've left these old parts behind and these limiting beliefs and these disembodied ways of interacting. And so now I'm, you know, in my embodied expression online and the way that I'm received online by men is different. And the men that, you know, comment on my stuff or that, um, you know, message, you know, send me a message or something, they're all men who are really like, wow, love what you're doing, love what you're saying, um, you know, really respect you or whatever, like great post or whatever, like thanks for saying that. You know, men follow me on TikTok and a lot of times I have, you know, men who follow me on TikTok and they follow me because they like my 
empowering content and they'll comment on it. And I have men who will comment on my posts and say, you know, thank you for this perspective. I love this perspective or whatever. So as I started embodying my most uh, embodied self or my most authentic self, you also start resonating with and calling people in and attracting people who resonate with your most embodied self. So you no longer stay in that loop. And it really is a loop. Like when I was in this disembodied state or unembodied state, whatever, I was attracting men, platonic, or actually it was never platonic, they were always sexualizing me. I was attracting men who were, and women, who were sexualizing me. And then I was thinking to myself, I, I see the only, I only get attention if I'm sexualizing myself, so I have to continue sexualizing myself. But then I don't like the attention I'm getting, so how am I supposed to get out of this loop? And then I'm also furthering my beliefs that men are, only sexualizing women and men are misogynistic and men are this and that and a lot of men are but when I started embodying my most authentic self I started realizing wait there's a lot of men who are actually really just interested in the things that I'm saying and they know that I'm you know in a relationship they know that you know I don't post any sexy content or anything they just like what I'm saying one of my my mutuals Fumi was talking about this the other day she was saying that you know there's a ton of she's in a relationship and there's a ton of men in her DMs and they're not sexualizing her they're not trying to hit on her or anything they're just saying like hey the stuff you post is great and I really respect you and you know thanks for keep doing what you're doing And so the men that you start to attract are attracted to your most embodied self because the truth is the embodied men are attracted to embodied women, platonically or romantically, whatever it is. But embodied men are attracted to embodied women. So when you're acting out from these unembodied spaces, the unembodied men are attracted to you. But once you start embodying your authentic self, the embodied men are attracted to you because the embodied men aren't you know, online thirsting over these girls, they're trying to have sexual discipline and they are, you know, trying to find authentic people around them and friends and they're trying to make actual platonic friendships with women and and whatnot. So the embodied men are not out here doing all of that and engaging with these types of cycles and things online. And I've even seen men online say that it's really important. I've seen some of my mutuals say like, hey, I really had to make an effort to change my for you page or change my explore page and I had to really make an effort to stop engaging with these sexualized posts that are just so everywhere on the internet because I don't want to see that I don't want to be engaging with those types of narratives so I had to make an effort to not do that so these men are not you know sitting around trying to thirst over women online they're you know, wanting to actually connect. They're wanting to actually be in their authenticity. So when you start coming into that space, you start attracting men on that frequency as well. So yeah, that's also something that's healing is, you know, having men comment on my posts and they are, you know, kind men, men that are interested in what I'm saying. And they're like, hey, I love what you're saying. Keep going. That's great. Like great perspective. Thank you. And, um, and yeah, and I think that that's really important to, to know as well is that when we're in this disembodied cycle, we are attracting disembodied men. And, um, that's kind of the unfortunate truth about it. But, but yeah, so that is kind of my journey of unlearning this, internalized sexualization and what that unlearning really looked like for me 
And, and yeah, so I love you guys so much and I will talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much for listening and bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.